Creatures of bone fear death, my children, and they're willing to commit atrocity in service of that fear. We must teach them to overcome the terror of the void. We must teach them to release their souls from their flesh sacks to allow their spirits to be free. We will teach them these lessons, my children, and they will thank us for them. Eventually. Eventually. So, welcome back to Risk Management, an actual play podcast set in a science fiction universe with killer robots and blood cults. We had a really good session last time where we actually managed to do something useful. So, before we get into the game itself, I think it is time for us to do our little level up dance. So, The way that progress works in this game is that we don't really have a leveling system. Instead, occasionally, risk management holds a performance review. Metatextually, what that means is that I'm going to ask three questions, and Jess is going to answer those questions. And depending on how she answers those questions, she's going to get an experience point. These experience points can be converted into stuff. For one point, she can buy some bits, 1D 100 bits. For two points, she can buy a hypno-talent skill book, which allows her to take a plus one advantage in a specific skill. So knife throwing or gymnastics or aerobatics or whatever. Generally speaking, we are going to try to limit those books to skills that Caro has actually used in some way. So if Caro has not been doing you know, jujitsu over the last few sessions, we're going to avoid giving her a jujitsu skill book. And the final thing you can buy with three points is a Y911 field surgeon, which restores all of your health. In this game, health is kind of hard to come by, so that can be really useful depending on the circumstances. So I'm going to ask you some questions and just answer to the best of your ability. All right, In Jess. character, out of character. Uh, go it out of character. Cool. All right, then. <clears throat> so, did you make progress in your mission? And if so, how? So, uh, at the start, they were not inside the the compound. Now they are. And to boot, they only raised some alarm, but most of the people inside, they're like, oh, they're just new recruits. It's fine. So, mostly, people don't suspect a thing at all. Sounds good to me. I think that earns the team one point. Yes! Wonderful. Did you come up with a creative or novel solution to a problem? Uh, creative or novel? 
I lied about pastries for like 15 minutes and managed to get us into the compound. I made up a I made up a family relation for Caro and she cried, she fake cried very convincingly for a long time. Like guy totally bought it and let us into the truck deeper. I mean, before this we tried to go for more traditional methods like climbing the fence, but the fence turned out to be far more for- formidable than either of us had bargained for. So, yeah, crying about pastries and a fake sister got us in. You know, yeah, no, that sounds right. I believe that we, um, that is textbook creativity. So take another point. Yes. Did you survive or cleverly avoid a significant conflict? Okay, so there are two examples from last session that stick out in my mind. Uh, We very nearly got into combat of any kind right off the bat with Sunday Grant because she does not she does not take any nonsense and um, she was onto us pretty quickly with our IDs that were clearly not ours um, and that really wasn't Kara that was more Anders he quick thinking managed to get us out of a sticky situation and um, so yes I'd have to give that one to Anders because Kara was freaking out if I remember correctly but the war dogs if that's what they're called I hope I haven't got the name right Uh, wrong guard dog my my apologies um so yes the guard dogs I wouldn't say it was a creative solution but like Caro hacked them to be like oh there's nothing here like she basically hacked them to ignore the fact they'd found something and report back to whoever they were going to report back to that there was nothing in that sector and she did the job slowly and properly rather than quick and riskily. I would say that is cleverly avoiding a conflict that could have turned out very poorly. Yeah, no, take a point. I, I think that we get points across the board. Yay. And so we both have three points. Yeah. Um, would you like to spend those points right now? <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> In, in, in the back of my head, uh, when you were saying like, oh, one point is one D hundred of bits. I just had that bit from Steven Universe where he goes, give us the bits, the bits, the bits. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the sound you hear in, inside of your head right now. <laughs> like now I kind of want like little fry bits, but also I just want money. Um, <laughs> so um, given that I believe his name was... Harlan from New Moines? Yeah, okay. I am remembering names. Um, Probably better than I do in real life for real people. Um, So, yeah, um, because they gave us quite a paltry amount of bits with, you know, um, a little added extra as well, but still not a lot of bits. I think I'm going to be... I think I'm going to invest it all in bits. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, why not? Sounds <laughs> good to me. Rocco. Let's see what you get. The suspense is killing me. I'm really looking forward to bumping into Rocco No Kids. Oh, that's another piece. Um, we don't actually get any of this stuff until we we bump into Mr. No Kids. Fair enough. So now I'm going to roll those dice because I don't know how to roll dice. One sec. It's all right. You get 95 bits because um, the force is not with you, unfortunately. (sighs) 
All right, I've learnt my lesson there. 95 bits are still 95 bits. <laughs> Anders is going to take a hypno talent for knives. So I want to take a hypno talent course for knife work, and I am going to take one d100 bits. So if okay. you can roll that for me. I actually can't remember where I put my actual dice, so I'll just use that website and hope that my laptop doesn't crash. Uh, bear with me one second. I had everything up, I was doing so well, and then you asked me to roll something, which is a core mechanic of the game. Um, I know, can't you just, uh, you can't get the talent Fisk. these days. <laughs> okay, Fisk. so it was a D100, right? Yep, one D100. All right, so rolling once, 91. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm much luckier, so I'm going to mark yeah. that on my sheet. <laughs> All right, let um, me just mark that on mine. So I got 95 bits. I, I mean, it just goes to show that humans are not great with probability, because the back of my brain was like, oh, yeah, 300 bits. I can do so much with that. But no, <laughs> that's not quite how it happened. Just before we start the session, we're going to go back to our little therapy debrief uh i think i'm gonna run this actually sure. I, I feel like playing therapist for a little while all right <laughs> so caro once you entered the integration center what were you feeling exactly so i'm a professional obviously like you know unflappable unflappable but even as a professional, I was a little bit perturbed, you know, to see so many people with cyborg limbs. Uh, no judgment, no prejudice. It's just, it's just an odd sight. You don't, you don't see that many people with them, unless they're military. So, I was beginning to worry about the true scope of this mission. Uh, but I wasn't. I was trying to keep a lid on that, just for the sake of my colleague. Uh, I was trying to keep a lid on that. So, Anders, how were you feeling when you entered the Integration Center? Well, it reminded me of a mission in Samoa when we came upon a real bug hunt. About 20 or 30 killer androids with debilitator cannons and missile launchers. I was pretty happy, actually, because that was probably my favorite mission. And perfect. Now, it's your turn, Jess, to run the mission. Or run uh, the scene. So let's okay. see how this plays out. Paint me a word picture. A word picture? That words are so difficult. Okay, so Caro is being led away as we speak by Luca Rojas. And similarly, Anders, uh, who has signed in under the false name Seth Olmsford... I'm saying that now so I don't forget it later. He is being led away by the top recruiter in the entire organization, Jasmine Rose. And uh, she's very pretty. Unnaturally so. Her face is oddly symmetrical, uh, which Caro noticed. And I'm not sure if Anders did. And she also has a bionic leg. But uh, people seem to really like her. She's, uh, yeah. So, where are we going exactly? Just this way. Follow me, please. 
and yeah. she's leading you kind of away through the crowd, uh, kind of around the front desk to some back rooms, like a corridor and some back rooms. It all looks, you know, kind of the same decor of the reception room. Nice wood paneling. It looks like it looks like a quite a nice hotel kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of people with. You know, never mind. Probably shouldn't say it. And she, there's a kind she, of like shuts up. He, even though he has a social of one, he does know when not to bring up things that could be get them in a lot of trouble. Now that he's mm. only partially armed. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fine. Jasmine Rose doesn't like. She kind of she kind of looks at you, but she's still smiling. And then she looks looks ahead. She's not. She doesn't question it. Uh, so you continue down this corridor. And the kind of hubbub of the sort of reception area slowly gets quieter and quieter. And before you know it, you're at some meeting rooms. And Jasmine Rose uh, puts her thumb over a biometric lock, which is odd. Why are there biometric locks in a meeting room? So she uh, leads you into the meeting room. How, How close does it look like Jasmine is watching Anders at this moment? That's a good question. She's not staring at him creepily like Luca was staring at Caro. She's kind of, you know, as far as Anders is concerned, she's looking away. She's leading him by the hand and looking away. Oh, that's right. They're holding. Oh, gosh. Okay. Never yeah. mind. Oh, oh, never mind. Keep going. Keep going. In case, in case you didn't know, um, they are both holding. Jasmine and Luca are holding our intrepid agent's hands as they walk us away. Never mind, Anders just follows along. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, she she leads you into the meeting room. She's still holding your hand. She closes the door. The door goes boop, and you know that means it's locked. And then she lets go of your hand. And she gestures for you to take a seat first. So Anders is going to look around the room and he's going to search for anything that looks like a camera or maybe some kind of sensor or things like that. Oh, it's nothing so high tech. It's just kind of a big glass panel that you suspect is probably a two-way mirror of some kind. Excellent. So (laughs) Anders just takes a seat. He doesn't look suspicious. He just sort of like sits down in the chair. Now that I think of it, like there are a couple of like just security cams in the to- in the corner, but they're not like high grade or anything. They're just bog standard security cams, um, and they're also pointing at him. So yes, Jasmine Rose, she's still she's got still got a sunny disposition. She's very smiley. She takes a seat as well. She's you know swipes a little bit on her tablet, but then she places that down face down on the table. And uh, she leans across the table. She has her hands linked together. She's smiling still. And um, she goes, are you sitting comfortably? Yeah, I'm good. Then I'll begin. I just have a series of questions. Uh, The first question, do you have any questions for me? Yeah. What do you guys do here exactly? A very good question. You'll find out more about that after this in, uh, this integration session. Sounds good to me. Yes. All will be answered. All will be revealed. Any other questions? Not for now. I'll save them. Okay. Okay. So, on we go. Second question, then. 
What drew you to join the organization? I like robots. Oh, interesting. Anders uses the word robot instead of android. A robot's a Roomba. Whereas an android, at least to their reckoning, is a person. Okay. Jasmine doesn't react to this. She just keeps smiling. She's just sugary sweet. All right, then. Next question. What are you hoping to bring to the organization? You guys have a lot of security guards out there. Most of them suck. I heard you guys had a a little trouble last night. There was a guy downstairs who told me there were problems, maybe. She's looking at you intently, but she's not saying anything. Well, anyway, I know a little bit about security. In a former life, I used to work as a bodyguard. And I think I could really help beef up some of your security practices around here. She nods and says, oh, interesting. Okay, then. Uh, next question. What did your family and friends think of your decision to join the organization? They're all dead. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's no big deal. Oh, okay, then. Next question? And she's asking that as a question itself. Yeah, yeah, go on. Okay, then. Could you give me an overview of your previous experience with androids? Have you worked with androids before? How did you find that? Well, I like androids. There's this coffee shop I like to go to, and there's an android who works there. He's a good guy. Always gives me extra creamer. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like everyone else, they're around. They some, you know, they clean your hotel room and they help you with your bags and stuff. I guess they don't need tips because they're androids and they don't eat. But I sometimes give them tips anyway because, I don't know, just seems like the thing to do. She stares at you for maybe just a second too long. And then she goes, oh, okay then, next question. And she asks that as a question as well. She wants to make sure you're done kind of sharing. Yeah, yeah, go on. This is pretty easy, by the way. Thanks. Okay, then. What do you think androids can bring to society? What do you think about their current role? What do you think that is? And she kind of tilts her head and looks at you with a furrow, like with a very well-rehearsed furrowed brow, but her face is still very warm. So, at this point, Anders is sort of looking to see whether or not He's basically doing what, I guess, an old sort of, like, spy might be doing and seeing whether or not he's being kind of lulled into sort of a false complacency. Is she, like, reaching for anything? Is she, like, does it look like she's setting him up? Does it look like she's just sort of talking with her hands, like, on the table? Is there something in this interaction that he's not seeing right now? No, like, her, since she leant across on the table and, like, sewed her hands together, they have not moved from Anders' sight. Like, she's talking, main, like, she's kind of more expressive with her face and her shoulders than her hands. Her hands are still kind of knitted together on the table. Okay, then. Uh, I don't know. Humans suck. So, I kind of figured androids probably suck less than humans. I've been reading these articles, these blog posts, right? Like they're about how androids might have human emotion. And I'm really into that because I know human beings who don't have any emotions. Like back in my old job, you run into a lot of like 
sociopaths. I don't know, it says that there's only like 4% of the population, but I'm pretty convinced that there's more than 4%. And they are, let me tell you, they are big, big problem. And I've never met an android sociopath, you know? I've just never met one. And he kind of goes on like this for another 20 or 30 seconds. It's very clear that this is the what he's been trying, one of the things he's been trying to talk to Caro about that she's been sort of not listening to. And he basically goes on about how androids are probably better than people in a lot of ways because androids, you know, they don't lie, they don't cheat, blah, 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 blah. She's just nodding along and she's kind of, you know, she she's looking intently, but her face is still warm and she's nodding along and at, at intervals. And she's just letting him speak. She's just listening to it all. You know, you're a really good listener. Has anyone ever told you that? This is when the the, um, hands become unknitted and she puts a hand under her chin and goes, Oh, thank you. And then she puts her hand back down and knits her hands together. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm done. Thank you. That was very informative. Okay, then. Next question. What has been your experience, if any, with magic? What did you think of it? Uh, magic's pretty cool. Back in my old job, we have a very small magic department where we, you know, we study and do research into magic, you know, security. Sometimes you need to be able to have something there for you, some kind of protection, some kind of like weapons without, you know, carrying a weapon, right? You need to be able to do that. But I didn't get the transfer into that department and it's been been kind of hard. I really wish I could spend a little bit more time dealing with magic. I've been studying on my own. I've, I've got a couple books back at the apartment, but it's really not the same. We have some pretty good thurgists back in the back in the organization I used to work at. And I really feel like I could have done more with my life. You know, I could have been something more if they just let me have that opportunity to train. I don't know, it's one of my big regrets. I have a lot of regrets these days. Her face changes very slightly, but it's still very warm. Like, she's got a furrowed brow, but it's kind of a, I'm listening to you, I'm interested brow, not like a concerned furrowed brow or anything. And she kind of tilts her head from one side to the other side, and she goes, oh, tell me more about that. About what? Regrets. I mean... I don't, I, not to be overstepping, but is there anything the organization would need to know about? I mean, when you live a life like mine, you have a lot of regrets. Sometimes you run into people and you make decisions you don't really want to make, but they're necessary to fulfill the mission, if you understand what I'm saying. And then sometimes people are just jerks, right? And then you do stuff and you laugh and you laugh and you laugh and you're like, wait a second, I probably shouldn't be laughing at that. And then you go to your therapist and they're telling you, oh, you have post-traumatic stress. Oh, you have anxiety. Oh, and and it's just hard, right? Like it's hard because you don't really have anyone you can talk honestly to. I don't know. I don't really know. I haven't really spoken like this to anyone. So thanks. And she smiles and she goes, thank you for your candle. And then her tablet trills and she goes, oh, I'm ever so sorry. She removes her hands from the table, picks up the tablet. Bear with me. Uh, She swipes on the tablet a bit 
and she goes, she looks back to Anders, clutching the tablet to her chest, and she goes, I'm terribly sorry. They require me in the other room. Is it all right if you wait here for just five minutes or so? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh, thank you so much. I'll be right back. She gets up and she wastes no time in extricating herself from the room. The door locks behind her. And she's gone. It's just Anders alone. What does he do? So is the tablet on the table? No, no, she she took that with her. <laughs> oh, no. So Anders actually stands up and he walks over and he looks at the security camera. And you said it was like an old model security camera, right? It's it's not super fancy. Like, it's quite, it's quite low grade. It's the least nice thing in this room. So what Anders does is he takes his chair. Uh, is it like high up in the air or could he reach it from here? Need the chair. <laughs> so he goes over to one of the cameras and he takes his chair and he kind of slides it in. And he steps on the chair and he's trying to... How's it mounted? Is it sort of like mounted with brackets and screws? Is it sort of like a plastic mount? Like what kind of... In my mind, I'm imagining like stereotypical plastic mount kind of thing. So he's going to actually just try to jimmy off the camera without any tools or anything like that. He's just going to try to remove, physically remove the camera from the wall. It pops off. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, cool. It Uh, takes a little bit of plaster with it. You're not going to be able to put it back. Excellent. And so he he goes back to um, the table in front of him and he unscrews the lens of the camera if he can. What's he unscrewing it with? Um, Is he just trying to unscrew it with his hand? Yeah, he's just trying to unscrew it with his hands. So you can feel free to make me roll any time. This is this would <laughs> this I mean, may not work I mean, at all. It's not it's not super fur, firm at all. Like you you know just yeah, it comes away really easily in your hand. Cool. And so he sort of sets the sort of like lens assembly to the side, and he rummages around a little bit inside of the camera, undoing some wires, and he's looking to see whether or not this camera has a solid state drive, or if it has a tape, or if it has something that looks like a transmitter. Like, is this a camera that's, like, hardwired? Is it a camera that is transmitting via, like, Wi-Fi? Is it a camera that has a tape inside, a physical tape inside of it? He's trying to figure out which of these... Let me think. Uh, because of what I've got in my head, I think it would actually be unfair to make you roll. Like, it's quite obvious that more than just the exterior of this camera is just for show. There are wires and stuff in there. There's even, like, a battery, but, like, this doesn't look like a camera inside at all. It looks, you know, it doesn't have the requisite parts you need for a camera that actually records. Huh. Okay. Anders takes the battery, just the battery pack, out of the camera and, like, (laughs) slides it into his pocket. But then he leaves, like, the guts of this fake camera next to him on the table. And he just waits. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. um, Another five minutes pass. Interesting. Anders gets up again. And he looks at the two-way mirror and he taps on it to see whether or not it feels, how how tough it feels. Does it feel like it's just sort of glass with 
with something behind it so it feels kind of hollow? Does it feel like it's security glass so it feels a little bit more like plastic? It does feel like you can't just bash through it. It feels like it would put up quite a bit of a fight. And he wanders over to the door and he tries to open it, not to get out, but just sort of to test the lock. Uh, it's biometric again, and if you try and kind of pull the handle down, it just, you know, a little red light comes up and it beeps, kind of trying to alert you. You need to put your thumb here if you want to open the door. So he looks to the ceiling, and are they ceiling panels? Is there a place where there's a light, like a fluorescent light strip? What what does he see when he sees looks at the ceiling? Uh, fluorescent light strip, but not one of those dangly ones. It's literally, like, affixed to the ceiling. Okay, so Anders takes a seat again and taps his feet and waits at least another five minutes. You start to hear, like, someone maybe approaching the door, but they could as easily just, you know, kind of be in the corridor. So Anders sits comfortably. His hand is dangling at his side within sort of, like, arm reach of one of his boot knives. Someone is definitely coming towards the door. They're not in a hurry. You know, it's just a, it's just regular pace. The lock goes green, sorry. The door handle depresses. The door opens. And it's Jasmine again. She really was, honestly. She's back now. <laughs> and she's looking at her tablet, opening the door and looking at her tablet. And she's saying something along the lines of, Sorry about that. I was away longer than I wanted to be. And she closes the door behind her. And the lock goes red. So, I think I understand some of your security problems. These cameras aren't real. Did you know that? It's kind of weird, right? That's when she looks up and, like, she knits her brow and she goes, What's that? I mean, it's where your camera was. I mean, it just came right off the wall. That's not how cameras are supposed to work. Is it broken? It can't be broken. It wasn't a real camera. That's what I was trying to tell you. Hmm. She swipes on her tablet and she says all right then we'll have that fixed and she just sits down (laughs) puts her her tablet face down on the table again i am terribly sorry i was away longer than i wanted to be are you okay do you want a drink do you have any power fuel power fuel she asks wait you don't know what power fuel is Oh, yes, power fuel. No, we don't have any of that. Oh, the nothing. Oh, not even some water? No. No water? No water at all. You heard me. Oh. Oh, okay then. She kind of is, you know, not quite sure what to do with herself. And then she gets the tablet up again, and she swipes on the tablet again. She seems almost excited by this next bit. Thank you for waiting. We're on the last stretch of this initial in, uh, this initial interview. The next few questions are thought experiments we make all the new recruits do. It's just a bit of fun. It's just a bit of fun. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So, and she's getting really into it and she's reading off her tablet, but she's like really into it. She obviously enjoys this bit. Imagine you are working on a really big project. It has been very stressful. An office android submits an important report to you that you had been anxious about doing. You had not told the android to type up this report. They tell you, I only wanted to help. 
How do you react? I hate reports. So if someone else wants to do them for me, then, you know, more power to them. I give him a thumbs up, probably pat him on the back. She smiles, nods her head and goes, hmm, interesting. Um, she swipes on her tablet a bit more, scrolls down to the next thought experiment. Okay, the project is finally finished. The android who wrote up that report comes into your office with a small gift for you. How do you react? I mean, who doesn't like gifts? I thank him. Maybe get him some oil or something. Androids like oil, right? She nods and smiles and she goes, eh. Oh, okay then. You were walking home one night. An android appears and says to you, Help me. How do you react? He actually thinks for a really long time on this one. How dark is it outside? She um, kind of raises a finger to her cheek and leans her head to one side in a like typical cutesy thinking pose. And she goes, it is quite dark. So the first thing I do is I check my surroundings. I need to make sure that I have a path of escape. I need to make sure that there are no other combatants in the area. Um, then I try to find a position of cover so I can survey to make sure that I'm not being tricked, right? Because sometimes these are false flag kind of operations. You have a guy pretending to be hurt. I I make a route around the flank of the android. Even if you're looking to try to help somebody, you need to make sure that you're not going to walk into a bug's nest, if you know what I'm saying. From personal experience. I don't really want to talk about it. Take a couple steps forward. Watch my own flank. Probably call it in. You want to call these things in. She's nodding along and she's listening intently. And he goes on to explain an overly long, overly complicated sort of like strategy for how he, he can put himself in sort of the best possible position. But it ends up, he does attempt to rescue the android. Um, but he might also have a gun to him at this point, just in case he happens to be some kind of, like, double agent or spy. Jasmine feels the need to clarify, but you do want to help him, right? You're not going to hurt him. No, why would I hurt him? Unless he tries to hurt me. Then I'm gonna rip the thing's head off. She, she kind of, you know, like, her eyes go wide for a split second, but she kind of just goes, okay then, and looks down, <laughs> looks down at her tablet. This is the final thought experiment. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right then. You are walking down a quiet road at night. You happen on a car accident. There is an android in the middle of the road. They are badly hurt, irreparable. As you get close, they reach out to you and say, help me, what do you do? And she looks at you expectantly. You said he's irreparably damaged. She nods and she looks like kind of, she looks a little bit sad, like, but she's kind of like, it's a performative kind of sad. Okay. Anders actually looks very sincere in this moment. And he says, no one deserves to die alone. I'd stay with him until he passed. 
just out of character, I'm tearing up at that. Oh man, Anders has hidden depths, man. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> oh. So, you get the feeling that what Jasmine says next is not on the tablet or written out anywhere. She's kind of thinking on her feet a bit here. Uh, so she then says, calmly, The android passes. Now what do you do? I... I don't really know. What can I do? When you're dead, you're dead. No one comes back from that. I guess... I call Milsack, or... Uh, and you would know Milsack is kind of like... 911 plus the FBI kind of an international police organization like an Interpol sort of thing call Milsec to see who he or she belonged to see if they want to recover they're, they're men I don't know I really don't know So you're not quite sure if Jasmine is just oblivious to your emotional state or what, but she just chirpily goes, Okay then, that is the end of this interview. Thank you very much for your informative and insightful answers. We may call on you for further interviews, but this is all right for now. If you would like to follow me, and she offers her hand to Anders as she like rises from the table with her tablet in the other hand. Anders seems a little emotionally drained by this entire thing, so but he like takes her hand and just sort of like, yeah, okay, where do I go now? Oh yes, of course. Where where are my manners? You came in with someone else, right? Yeah, my friend. What is their relation to you? They're my friend, cousin, friend, cousin, cousin, cousin. Yeah, yeah, my cousin. Oh, okay then. Uh, I'm not sure if they're out yet, but you're welcome to wait for them in the lobby. In the meantime, is that alright? Yeah. It is clear to Anders, as a person who lives in the world, that Jasmine is not an <laughs> android. But based on her answers, he's kind of like looking at her. Does he notice any other cybernetics on her? Right, I'm going to make you do a knowledge roll. And I'm going to make you do, let's say, a moderate DC of eight. I got eight on the dot. Damn, okay. Other than her, like, bizarrely symmetrical face, like, you can't see anything, like, immediately, obviously also augmented. You think she might be wearing a wig, but you're not sure. And... Okay, so even up close, um, she looks human, but yeah. she just looks sort of like more human than human. She looks like a movie human rather than tagline drop. More human than human. Yeah, she looks. She's like very, very pretty. Like wow. But yeah, uh, other than like her face being like really bizarrely symmetrical, and the leg, and maybe the hair, but you're not sure on that one. She looks like a person. She looks like a person that's lived a life. Okay. Cool. In which case, Anders just sort of walks with her wherever she's taking. And um, the lock opens, and you're back in the corridor. 
and she's just, you know, she's leading you as before back to the lobby. So where the camera shifts and we go around the corner back into the lobby, through the lobby, through a elevator door, I believe. I think that's what Luca led you into. And you go up one floor. So Luca is holding your hand, still looking at you out of the corner of his eyes. And he and you are traveling slightly slowly up an elevator. Does anything happen? Caro is just trying to avoid his direct eye contact with him at this point, and she's just kind of trying to look normal, but she's obviously like feeling awkward, like her shoulders are a bit hunched. The elevator door opens, and you can tell that this is a members-only kind of area. Um, it's not a residential area exactly, but it feels like maybe a wreck area. And Luca walks with you slowly but surely around a corner, down a hallway, until you get to a wooden door with the name Luca um, written on a little nameplate on the outside of it. This oh, no. is probably his office. Oh, no. And it doesn't have a biometric lock, it has a very standard lock. Miss, I need you to. Wait inside for me. I'll be there in a moment. No problem. Okay. See you in a bit. She's like really uncomfortable. (laughs) And he lets go of her hand and he closes the door behind you. When you look into the room, you see a very nice wooden table like desk. And there's a lamp on top of the desk. The lights are sort of this very warm, recessed lighting. There's a photograph on the table of a slightly younger-looking Luca without the bionic eye. And he's there with a, a woman with short hair and two children. There's a few tchotchkes on the table a a stress ball it looks like a professor's office like one you might find in a university Um, and there's a large chair sitting out in front of it Caro stands (laughs) she she remains standing and she's kind of trying to take in the room are there any cameras is there anything out of the ordinary about this place Uh, is there a window are we are we high up? Are we do we have a window? There's what actually is- a window, um, but the window is barred. You can tell that ah. this window may not have previously been barred. It would be very difficult to remove. It seems like it's been welded into the frame of the window, but you can still see outside of it. As for the rest, give me a grace roll of eight. Uh, the D10 came out eight. And I have two gray, so that's ten total. You definitely notice a camera that is hidden in a bookshelf, in a nearby bookshelf. It's, it looks like a, like a nanny can, a cam almost. It doesn't look like anything that's there officially. And it's directed right at the couch. Um, you also notice a real camera, a security camera, in the upper right-hand corner of the room that seems to be there to draw your attention away from the nanny cam in the bookshelf. Okay. 
she's trying not to look directly into either of these cameras as she continues to kind of stand and look around the room and look casual but obviously doing a very bad job at looking casual <laughs> are there any like awards or anything like yeah you actually see an, a second place prize for a bowling tournament that looks like it was from about 10 years ago you see a couple of pieces of artwork that look like maybe children drew them at some point otherwise though the room doesn't have anything of too much note you see some textbooks on the shelf as well is it quite like a spartan kind of bare office apart from the odd personal effect and the odd book do what i'm what i'm saying is like does it look like a lived in space or does this look like set dressing give me a perception roll of 11 oh man i know too much here we go let's try this Oh, never mind. I rolled two on the dice, and I have grace of two, so I got four. You absolutely, positively believe that this is his office. That he's he that you have no reason whatsoever to believe that it's not. In fact, it would be difficult for someone to convince you otherwise. Fair enough. All right. So she starts to loosen up a bit. You know, maybe this guy's all right. You know, he seems to have a family, have kids. He can't be that bad. He's probably just a bit awkward. That's Yeah, he's probably just a bit awkward. Um, so she kind of relaxes a bit, but she doesn't relax enough to sit down. She's still kind of pacing. And... A couple minutes go by, and Luca re-enters the room, and he's carrying a tablet with him. And he looks to you, and you're still standing at this point, even a couple minutes later. Yeah, yeah, st- I'm still standing. I'm still standing. You, just, you know, arms crossed, kind of, you know, like... You might be more comfortable in a seat, don't you believe? Uh, I've been I've been sitting a lot. I've been sitting a lot. I'd prefer to stand if that's okay with you. Take a seat, please. Okay. <laughs> she takes a seat. And he goes behind his own desk and he takes a seat and he looks to you. Do you have any questions for me? Uh um, well, I mean, I wasn't being nosy or anything, but, um, I saw the pictures of your family. Your, your, your two, your two tots, they look really cute. How old are they? I haven't seen them in 12 years. I am so sorry. Please, please forgive me for overstepping my bounds. Uh, I, I am, I'm sorry. The organization takes much from us, but it gives much in return. Right. Yes, no, yep, okay then. That's that's all the questions from me, Gov. In that case, let us begin. What does it mean to be human? Wow, oh, whew, whew. You, you start with the big questions first, okay. Like, Kara is trying to, like, entertain the question properly, but, like, in the back of her head, she's thinking about, like, what is it? Bill and Ted, every rose has a thorn! (laughs) (laughs) She's really trying to take this seriously. She kind of leans back in the chair and kind of shows that she's considering. She puts on a good, like, performance of, wow, that's, gee, that's, that's quite a question, wow, um... 
I'm just one person. It means different things to different people. I, I can't speak for all people. That's a coward's answer. Give me yours. Wow, you don't mess about, do you? Um... He has yet to break eye contact with you. Give me a knowledge roll of seven. Knowledge roll seven, okay. So, the dice came up two. Caro has five, so that's six, seven. So seven exactly. You have this feeling in the back of your head. You've seen things like this before, but you're not quite sure that you're, you're being scanned. It's like you feel like you're in a doctor's office, right? <laughs> she starts sweating profusely, and she kind of ums and ahs a bit more, and she says, you know, in, in truth, I've never considered that before. Uh, I just had an office job before this. I've not exactly stimulating work. I guess to be human, don't be a dick, she ventures. It's an interesting answer. Excuse me for a moment. He taps on his tablet, and then he stands up, and he leaves the tablet there. And he walks out of the door, and he's gone. This feels like a trap. (laughs) Yeah, no, Caro kind of twiddles her thumbs, does her best impression of being bored, but, like, her mind is racing, and she's like, was that the wrong answer? I tried to pick the most innocuous thing I could think of. Was that the wrong answer? So, a few minutes pass, and a man comes back into the room, but it's not Luca. Oh. Give me a perception roll of 12. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. Okay, so, yeah, now I got six on the dice, and I got two on Grace, so that's eight. Okay, then it's fine. Um, Yeah, the man comes in, and he... You know, he's an attractive-looking gentleman. He's got kind of short hair. He's got really, really blue eyes. He's, you know, kind of well-built. Nothing spectacular about him, but he seems sort of, like, generically attractive. And And he sits behind the desk, and he's carrying a box in his hand. And he places the box on the table, and he looks at you, and he smiles. Give me a social roll of seven. Oh. <laughs> well, I rolled a two, uh, but my social is five. So six, seven, it's exact. As a person who is a talky kind of individual, you know that this is like a practiced smile. This feels like something that one would have practiced in a mirror to get down exactly right. All right. Um, Carrie smiles back and kind of straightens up in her chair and she says, Oh, hi. You're a really beautiful person. Do you know that? I've been told that a lot today. Thank you. Luca will be back momentarily, but he sent me in here to work with you on your interview. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, let's get on with it. Well, we're going to work on making sure you get a good answer to his question. These are really important for us. All I need you to do is put your hand inside of this box right here. All right. Kara makes a joke about like, oh, it's not a snake in here, is there? <laughs> she, you know, just, she puts her hand in the box. <laughs> Brilliant. 
All I need to know is, what does it mean to be human? Oh no. <laughs> to, to be human, uh, I guess... Don't be a dick, but also look after yourself. That's great. That's very great. Thank you. Nothing happens. Okay. Can I, can I, can I take my hand out of the box? Do you need it in the box? No, please leave it right there. Okay, sure. All right. Question number two. When did you first discover that you were human? Wow, okay. That's an interesting question. She's a bit more comfortable, this guy, so she's kind of, like, more willing to play the game, if you see what I mean. Um, so she says something along the lines of, I mean, you know, we're, we're told we're human so much, like, it's difficult to say when you discover it for yourself, if ever. Uh, that's a really good question. Wow, I'm speechless. That's okay. Answer the question anyway. Uh, all right, then. I, I don't know if I discovered it as such. I always had the strong sense that I was, which is probably not the best answer, but I've had no reason to suspect that I wasn't. Brilliant. Perfect. I guess maybe you've already answered this question for me, but do you feel human right now? Yeah, um, I've no reason at present, she kind of winks at him, I've no reason at present to believe I'm anything but human. Why? I have no evidence to the contrary. So do you only believe what your senses tell you? Well, senses can be fooled, but also, is it really so bad if they are? I mean, an illusion's pretty cool, right? An illusion's pretty cool. They're pretty fun. I'm glad you said that. How do you know your senses have not been fooled? How do you know that you, yourself, are really human? I guess you have to have faith, and that is part of being human, faith. So you're saying that anyone with faith that they are human, who believes that they are human, who has no other reason to believe that they are not human, is in fact human. I mean, I guess there might be other criteria, but I don't feel like I should be the one dictating those things. I'm also a firm believer that in If someone tells you there's something, you should probably take them at their word, otherwise it can get very awkward very quickly. Do you believe androids are human? Androids are androids. They're separate. They're different. Maybe not lesser. They're just separate, you know? Then why are you here? What do you mean, why am I here? Why are you here? Okay, so she's like, her brain's like, okay, too casual, Caro, pull it back. In her brain is just like the sound of screeching brakes. <laughs> well, I'm here because I have the distinct sense that I'm missing something. I want to see something else. I've worked in an office for 20 years. It's very boring. And my life outside was nothing to write home about. I wanted a new life, if you must know. Objectively, would you consider that a true or a false statement from Kara? Oh boy. No, she does not want a new life. She's quite happy with where everything is right now. You feel a small prick on the top of your hand. The tiniest, just the tiniest prick. It feels like, like a pin. I believe you might have just lied there, Miss Kara. Okay. 
maybe I wasn't being completely honest with myself, honestly. I mean, my life wasn't bad before I came here. I wasn't running from anything. But also, it was really boring. I wasn't being challenged. And I feel like a place like this would challenge me. For goodness sake, I've spent 20 years not being challenged. This seems like a place that would give me that, at least. Objectively, is that a lie or the truth? She enjoys being challenged. Has she been challenged in the last 20 years? Uh, the last 20 years, but maybe not so much more recently. Okay. Nothing happens. Interesting. So, Miss Caro, you are a very beautiful person, but I have reason to believe you're also a liar. And the worst kind of liar. You lie to yourself as much as to anyone else. But that's okay. We are in the business of breaking liars. Suddenly you feel strange. Give me a knowledge roll of 10. Oh, I don't like this. Ah, <laughs> oh, six, seven. She gets a seven total. You just feel strange. Um, you feel a little warm and you're getting a little headachey. Okay. Let me tell you a story, Miss Caro. Do I have to keep my hand in the box? She keep asks. Your hand in the box. Okay. You've lived in a world in which androids have always been something you can ignore, something that existed at the edges of your reality. They were your cooks, your cleaners, your servants. So you have the freedom not to think about whether or not they're human. You said that they were something separate, something different. But you yourself can't even describe what makes you human. Why do you get to judge? Uh, I said earlier, like, didn't feel it was right for me to be the arbiter of what makes everyone human or everyone android even. So if I said that you were an android... Uh, I would have a strong gut feeling against that, yeah. And why? Wow, you're really good at the questions. You're really good. You're really good at making me think. Your hand feels like it's on fire. Uh, Ow, okay, okay, okay. You, You want a direct answer, I'm guessing. Ow. Is something wrong, Carol? No, I just, my arm aches. I've been holding it in this box for a while, that's all. I'm fine. You feel another pinprick. Give me a strength roll of six. Oh, she rolled a 10 on the d10. So uh, that's 11 total. You're holding it together pretty well, actually. So he actually believes that you're doing okay. I thought my acting was weaker, uh, uh, yeah, but I'm glad Carrie is actually holding it together. <laughs> Answer the question. You claim you're a human, and you claim that you're not an android. Yet you say that no one has the right to judge who is human and who is android. Are you lying to me, Carol? Do you really believe something you're not willing to say out loud? Uh, wh- why, why would I lie to you? Uh... That's that's an odd pointed question to ask. Um, well, truthfully, I've never considered it more than what I've been told. Like, 
it's never been my place to say no you're wrong that's not an android I've never seen until now possibly you're an actor Carol I can see it in your eyes you're trying to avoid telling me something what are you lying about Carol well wouldn't you be uh uncomfortable if someone came in the room and said oh I'm going to engage you in this discussion and completely challenge your worldview and give you a lot of things to think about and process and not keep give you the framework in the box my hand is in the box sir and keep not and give you the framework to properly work through those new and interesting questions you're being asked he stands up and he walks out of the room almost immediately afterward Luca Rojas comes back into the room with tablet in hand. What do you do? She, she asks, do you want me to keep my hand in the box? That would likely be in your best interest. Okay, then. Your shoulder up to your collarbone is burning so badly. Like, it feels like knives are being run along your skin from your the tips of your finger up to your collarbone. Give me a strength roll of seven. Okay, uh, my strength was one, but the roll was seven, so that's eight total. You're holding it together. Oh. <laughs> but for how long? Um, I think in reaction to that kind of pain, though, like, Caro would attempt to subtly self-soothe, like, kind of maybe, like, put her hand on her shoulder, but, like, make it look like she was just scratching, but actually trying to relieve some of the pressure on her, like, shoulder and everything. Is there something wrong? Nah, it's just an itch. It's just an itch. Would you like to remove your hand from that box? I mean, this is a bit awkward to talk to someone this way. I mean, I'm happy to keep it in there if you'd rather, but I wouldn't mind removing it. Then answer my question. Sure, ask away. What does it mean to be human? You you really keep harping on on that one. Uh... I mean, truthfully, I guess I'm not 100% sure. You've shown me that during the course of this conversation. I'm not 100% sure. But maybe I can find out. He seems to nod at this, but he doesn't seem satisfied. He, he walks over to his desk and he takes a seat. What do you think happened to my family? I, I've, uh, I... She's really uncomfortable with, like, anything to do with, kind of, awkward family situations. Well, I I didn't think it my place to think about it. I I, I detected it was a possibly difficult subject. Uh, We don't have to talk about it if you don't want. You have a strange way of not answering questions when they're asked of you. The burning has kind of preceded up most of your right side at this point so it's it feel like you are in intense pain right now um give me a strength roll of 11 okay i'm so sorry caro like your your luck is gonna run out here babes uh oh i rolled a one fancy that uh and my strength is also one so that's two that is a two my friend you involuntarily try to pull your hand out of the box. You can't help yourself. The pain is too much. And as you do, the box clamps down around you and you feel 
a dozen needles go into your arm all at once. You scream aloud. You you feel the sound of your voice coming out of your mouth uncontrollably. Your eyes go wide. And suddenly, your entire body feels like it's on fire. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Any role you take now will be done at a disadvantage of negative three. Ah, what have I done? (laughs) You managed to get yourself under control enough that you aren't screaming, but you are finding it difficult to even say words. Luca looks at you completely unsurprised. I told you to keep your hands in that box, Miss Caro. She hasn't got a witty comeback for that, uh, shockingly. Now, you don't have much time. The poison will make its way to your heart, and you will die. Give me a knowledge roll of ten. Oh. A negative three disadvantage. Oh. Come on, Caro, work the magic. Uh, okay, so she has knowledge of five. D10, come on. Come on, I don't know how I will dice shame this dice if it betrays me, because it is a virtual dice, but I will find a way. Oh. Bums. D10 rolled a three. Her knowledge is five, six, seven, eight. With a negative three. Uh, so it's a five. Yeah, that's not ten. You absolutely positively believe you are dying right now, and it is actually entirely plausible that you are. So... He is she is in a lot of pain, yeah. I suspect you have a minute and a half before you are dead. And he, re- he takes a small vial out of his pocket and it has a like green liquid in it. I can fix your pain if you answer my question. What does it mean to be human? Like, she's in a lot of pain. So, like, her usually very thinky brain is not thinking so great right now. Uh, she She's kind of cornered. She's really cornered. Too trusting, Caro. Too trusting. <laughs> I'm just trying to go over the rest of this scene. What has already been said. Like, you know, one very real option is her to just, like, shout back. Every bloody rose has a bloody thorn. <laughs> I mean, that's something you can do. I, mean, I don't know if like, it's going to work. But also, like, she also doesn't want to die. Um, and I feel like if this was any other game, then that, that would be something I would seriously consider. But uh, right now, I'd like to keep Carrie alive. So I'm desperately trying to rack my brain. She might just yell back, I don't bloody know! He laughs at that, actually. You've said that before. What do you think happened to my family? She just shouts back, it's none of my bloody business! There's some truth in that as well. Do you always believe your senses? She just yells back, no! That's interesting. Why are you here? Okay, she goes quiet. And she goes, 
because I want to be. He smiles. He looks at you with his glowing eye and smiles. This is the first time you've probably seen him smile. Um, And it's not a friendly expression exactly. It's more of a predator's smile. Someone who has just seen something interesting and might want to um, bite its head off and see what it tastes like. Oh, I'm getting flashbacks to alien isolation right now. Uh. I think you might finally be being honest with me, Caro. Let's see how far this goes. He takes the tablet out and he shows it to you. And what you see is a picture of yourself looking out the window of an SUV. And it looks like it's been taken from a drone that night in the desert. Oh, no. So remember that perception roll you failed that night? Oh, no. And he shows it to you. Why are you here? Okay, so real talk. She is going to be honest. Um... But she's also going to be a little bit economical with the truth. I want to see my wife again. He looks at you then. His eye glows. He taps a couple of buttons on the tablet. And the box lets go of your hand. Ooh. (laughs) The pain drains out of you. It's instantaneous, in fact. It's as if it wasn't even there. Like, you feel so much better so instantly that you want to cry out. And he puts the vial of liquid away, and you can immediately tell that it basically is colored water, that there's nothing there. She, she mutters something like, that was a dirty trick. <laughs> You're a liar. And what else is new? And liars understand what it means to be human. Because to be human is to have the capacity to lie to ourselves (laughs) and to the world around us. He stands and he walks out of the room And in comes the other man from before, the one with the blue eyes. And he takes a seat across from you. I am an android, Caro. And this is incredibly surprising to you because he does not look like an android, anything like an android. He doesn't speak like one. He doesn't look like one. And you can't tell whether or not he's telling the truth, though. You have absolutely no idea. Do you believe me? Not as good as a wink to a blind bat. I guess you're right. I guess it doesn't matter. Call me Sylvester. All right, Sylvester. We'll meet again. I bet we will. 
And Sylvester stands, and he leaves the room. And Luca doesn't come back for you. Right. Okay. Is the door... The door's closed, right? The door's open. Now, they're like, oh, you can check it. But, I mean, no, I already told you. The door's open. Oh, okay. Oh, Oh, well... Uh, she looks right at the nanny cam and gives it the finger and walks out the room, or at least attempts to walk out the room. And as you do, as you open the door, you see Anders on the other side of the door. And he's sort of just sort of standing there, and he looks pretty pretty content. He looks pretty happy with himself. To, to give you a description of where you are right now, you are outside of Luca Rojas' office. You're in what looks like kind of a rec area. Um, you see fewer people than you saw in the lobby, but they're all kind of milling around. Um, no one seems to notice or care where you are. Both Jasmine and Luca are gone. You do not see Sylvester either. So Andrew's like, wow, that was pretty cool, actually. I had a lot of fun. How about you? Fun! And she kind of just grabs Anders by the arm, roughly, and kind of pulls him to somewhere that's, you know, secluded and sort of private. She is not a happy bunny. She kind of bitterly says, so they didn't give you the box then? The box? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, mate, the box. The box. She's like really miffed. You, You seem a little upset. I'm very upset. Huh. No, they just, like, ask me some questions. They listen to me talk. Jasmine's, like, really nice. She's, like, really nice. I bet she's really nice. I'm going to say that Luca probably wasn't as nice. Not not as good a guy. Caro is, like, kind of realizing she's getting more and more irate, and she's desperately kind of trying to kind of picture a calm blue ocean count to ten, then down again, calm down, calm down, calm blue ocean, like, she's, like, doing all these mental exercises to try and, like, calm down, and she's kind of, like, tuning Anders out as she does this, and she's, like, got her eyes closed and, like, counting to ten under her breath. Huh. You want to sit down? Do you want to talk about this? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that now. Where do you want to go? So... Anders takes her down a hallway. It's like Jasmine showed me. Um, they call this a quiet room. Um, and, and I guess it's a place where, where they don't have any of the fake cameras. Oh, did I tell you that like half the cameras in this place are fake? Uh-huh. Anyway, none of the fake cameras. Apparently, you sit here and like meditate and crap. But I guess we can talk in here, too. Probably don't want to say anything to, you know, yeah. just in case. Yeah. So he leads you into this like side room and it's like filled with these yoga mats and it looks it looks like a spa essentially like some kind of like yoga room. Um and there's mirrors but they don't look like well no we're not rolling right now. You can tell that they're not like two-way mirrors. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so Anders kind of takes a seat in in sort of a cross-legged kind of yoga pose and he's like So what happened in there? The box! Well, you've said box like four times now. It was a really horrible box. 
I mean, did you did you make it? Did you pass? Like her face is just kind of like it's not a hopeful expression. Like it's not it's not a yes or a no. It's an ah. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I think I passed. I don't really know. They just asked a bunch of questions. If you didn't pass, though, we're going to have to reconsider our next move. Like, she's she's trying to put, like, she's trying to figure out which sentence currently running through her head she starts down first. And all that's coming out is, like, radio static noise, which is quite fitting considering the last conversation she just had. It's then that Anders sort of, like, recognizes that this isn't a bit he sort of sees that she's like really legitimately upset and he he knits his brow a little and it's like hey did they hurt you you have no idea he reflexively reaches for one of his ceramic blades and his eye flashes just a little bit like he he's he's clearly in control of himself but he like looks Upset, very upset all of a sudden. Aww. <laughs> like, she just kind of, you know, taps his arm reflexively, like, no. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 I'm fine now. I wasn't just that, but I'm fine now. Like, she's trying to reassure him. Okay. If you need me to kill, like, that Luca guy, I'll do it happily. I, I don't think that would help at this point. I think it would make things very, very bad. Ah. Uh, did you learn anything? Oh, I... I learned that I know nothing. Yeah, no, they're really good at that. They ask a lot of these pretty deep questions. I kind of figured... They asked me if I'd kill a robot, I think? No, no, save a robot. That's the one. I said, yeah. He he purposely uses the word robot instead of android once again. <laughs> She, she kind of eventually sort of composes herself and like she starts talking very very quickly slowly it comes out she admits the bit about her wife um, oh she does okay wow they have a transdermal pain box oh that's what it's called I'm so glad I know what that's called now that's gonna be another string to my bow in conversation I mean, those are pretty illegal, actually. I bet they are. I bet they are. Why why did you get questions? Why didn't you get the transdermal pain box thingamabob? I don't know. Maybe it's different for everyone. Maybe they figure that wouldn't work as well as me. You you are a little squishy. Thanks. He sort of smiles like like he's trying to be helpful. (laughs) Anders has a social (laughs) of one. Uh, Just then... Luca and Jasmine re-enter the room. Luca doesn't have a smile on his face, but Jasmine has, like, the biggest smile on her face. And oh boy. They, they come inside, and they're each carrying a, a small metal device. Um, the scene's almost over, but I am going to ask you to roll... Oh, God. ...an eight knowledge. Oh... <laughs> So her knowledge is five. Oh, I rolled a 10 on the D10. So that's 15 total. Oh, gosh. Okay, so you know three important things. The first thing that you know is that that is a device that is usually used to insert sort of subdermal implants. 
Um, so it's a kind of like quick and dirty way of getting something under your skin without, you know, causing infections and doing it really quickly without any kind of surgery. The second thing you notice is that based on its size, that the kind of implant they are almost certainly in- injecting from that device is some kind of tracking device. That's what the device would typically be used for. You don't know as a fact what's inside of it, but that would be the more the sort of standard use of it. And the third thing you've noticed is that both of the devices are identical, um, which is interesting to you because you can infer that it means that they have a number of them. So it's not like this is some sort of special case necessarily. This is something that feels like they went to a shelf and they picked one of these off of the shelf to use. Those are the three things that you realize. And Luca begins. Well, I'm not that surprised to find you two in here, but I've spoken to my compatriot, Jasmine, and it seems you both have passed. Oh, what do flippin' do? I see you are still in high spirits. Very much so. There's only one more thing we need from you. Your hands... And he walks over to you and sort of motions for you to put your hand out. Do you do it? Um, she asks for clarity. Does she do... She kind of jokes, Oh, do you want the whole hand or just half the hand? Any part would do. We would prefer your forearm. It would be a little less intrusive, I believe. She kind of looks to Anders and she kind of... She's feeling pretty resigned. She's had a busy day. And she's just kind of, he goes, she just kind of offers her arm and goes, yeah, whatever. Get it over with. Anders looks to you and he looks to you for these sorts of things in general. So the fact that you're going ahead and doing it means that he just goes ahead and does it as well. So he puts his arm out. This might be a terrible idea, I'm realizing. I hope it isn't. (laughs) And then Jasmine walks over to Anders and sort of gently lifts his forearm up and pokes him really quickly. He flinches a tiny bit. And then he's like, "Eh, that wasn't too bad. And then Luca, significantly less gently, sort of like grabs your hand and sort of just jams the device in. It still doesn't hurt that much. Um, But when you look look at the spot, there's sort of a tiny little red welt there. Right. You said you were hungry, didn't you? Oh, yes. I'm so glad you mentioned food. Well, you two are free to eat. What Luca does is he gives you small pamphlet, essentially. Okay. And what it tells you is that the organization is broken into multiple levels and that you are at the lowest tier, essentially. And oh, that, that's not surprising. <laughs> like, basically, doors are kind of linked to your level. Okay. And you can use this device that they injected into you as kind of a biometric key because of the role you made, you're not 100% sure that's all it is. But yeah, but it's definitely... I had definitely, a feeling you'd say that. I had a feeling you'd say that. <laughs> it definitely is a key. Okay. And he says that you have access to the rec room where you are right now. Any doors that open in the rec room, the cafeteria... And you will be sleeping in the integration center. Oh, oh goody. And that before you can leave the integration center, you're going to need to 
essentially prove yourself to the organization in some way. So that's all the information you have right now. And you are free to go to any of these spaces. Um, Kara tries to subtly gesture to Anders, like she points to the thing in her arm and she points to her mouth and she makes this, she makes a sign like, no go. And then she points to the thing again and points to her ear. Anders sort of nods. Well, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and you can say that again. So, are you hungry? Oh, dying. Absolutely dying, my friend. Let's Man. go get some food. This is a great place, don't you think? I'm sure I'll learn to love it. So, it's unclear to you whether or not Anders is sort of playing along based on sort of that hand gesture you you gave him, or whether he really thinks that this is a great place. Oh, man. So, take over. We're heading to the cafeteria. What does that look like? So, yes, you go to the food hall, the cafeteria, and it's like high school all over again. It's an open space. There are bunch of tables you know there are starting to be the morning rush is starting to pick up there's more and more people kind of funnel, funneling into this um, area and so there is a whole kind of food counter to along one side there are windows they are barred and um, yeah no there's a couple of uh, dinner ladies or cafeteria ladies uh, at the sorry again brain has gone into screensaver mode I had I had coffee earlier today and because I am, in fact, dairy intolerant, I asked for coconut milk. I then spilt the coffee all over myself. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> thankfully, it was only tepid, not scalding. Uh, and the unforeseen plus point is I now smell of coconut, which I'm okay with. Um, That's delightful. Isn't it? It could have been so much worse. Like, my jeans aren't stained or anything. I just smell faintly of coconut, which I'm okay with. Anyways cafeterias, food stands along one side, dinner ladies, they are not hired out, they seem to be internal recruits, they're not like security at all, they are actually really smiley, like that's that's unique for dinner ladies where I'm from, uh, <laughs> but they're really smiley and they seem really happy to be there and they seem to genuinely be enjoying their jobs and um, yeah there's quite a bit of chatter in the cafeteria area that you do kind of get a sense that there are certain cliques you do kind of get a sense that like people are kind of in the groups they're comfortable in um you do just notice that there are a couple of spots available on various um tables but yeah so what do you do do you want to get a seat first do you want to get food first so anders kind of looks around the room uh you want me to pick something up for you I think I can handle this. Don't worry. He he looks a little bit concerned still. But then he goes up to the counter to sort of get his own food. Kind of hungry. Oh, well, would you like the special? Says a yeah. very enthusiastic dinner lady. Like, she, she really loves her job. She loves food. What's the special? Well, we have soup of the day. That's a nice tomato and basil. Or we have dish of the day, which is some cheesy pasta. Uh, and we even have just a sliver of uh, chocolate and orange cake. But uh, they're, they're selling out fast. We've only got a few left. Wait, I have to pay for food? Well, not selling out, of course. But um, 
you know, stocks stocks will not last. <laughs> I'll get the pasta and some cake. Do you guys have any power fuel? No. Um, like this lady looks really quizzical as though she's never heard of power fuel before. <laughs> <laughs> But she's like really committed to her job, so she's like, "I will, I will ask for you, sir. I will ask for you." And um, she goes and she talks, and you know, they, they go and talk to someone else, and it becomes this whole big thing. And are you, are you, are you doing anything while she's kind of conversing with her colleagues or desperately trying to find anyone that knows what power fuel is? He takes a plate of pasta and and some of the the cake and puts it on a tray. While she's gone, he's kind of looking around the room to see where they should sit. So he's looking for a place where Caro and him can kind of have a conversation with some people. Okay. Um, or he's looking for any kind of, is there anything interesting happening in the room? Is there something that he would note happening? It's quite cacophonous. There's a lot of people chatting. It doesn't sound like intense discussion. It sounds kind of like, oh, you know, good morning. How are you? Oh my gosh. Like, It's not like a shouting match. It is just general kind of cafeteria chatter. A lot of the tables are quite full up. There's like one or two spots, but like as you're looking at them, they are being filled up kind of thing. Is it, are there any tables where there's only like one person sitting there kind of by themselves or maybe even just two people sitting sort of on their own kind of chatting to themselves? There is a table and there, they're kind of, it's a satellite table and there are two women there. Anders takes his food and he kind of moves down, moves his tray down the counter kind of waiting patiently to get his food but he doesn't really know how it works it's kind of weird actually there's no like exchange of money or anything like that but you are kind of instructed just to kind of check in with your little uh, implant so yeah you're just instructed just swipe here huh okay did you guys find any power fuel back there the lady from before she goes I'm dreadfully sorry but I guess that's okay he looks thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> oh, but I see that you found the cake. The cake is very good. It's small, but very flavorful. He nods, seeming uninterested, and he looks over. Thanks. And then he walks away, a little more coldly than he probably should have. She calls after him, enjoy your meal! And, like, you can hear other, like, dinner ladies yelling to people as they swipe and walk away, enjoy your meal, enjoy your meal! It seems to be a current, huh. like, like a chorus of enjoy your meal interesting he goes to caro and looks what's on her tray she's gone for the soup and a bit of bread you know she's been through a lot today (laughs) i've scouted out a table for us and he points over to the table with the the two women sitting at it all right but i really i'm really not in the mood to talk i get it but I'd like to remind you that we're not here on a vacation. I know. Just just give me the next hour. I'll be fine. Just not right now. Thank you. He nods and he seems half sympathetic. But at this point, he's sort of like, OK, fine, I'll <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> and he and I guess they walk to that table and he mm. takes a seat. He tries to put on his best smile, but he still kind of looks like he's scowling a bit. All right, so you are now sat on a table with Valerie Yoshida uh, and Rana Finn, then. 
So Valerie is, she kind of just grunts at you like she's more interested in her food and she's, she looks tired. She looks like she didn't sleep very well. But Rana is very chirpy. She's quite intense. And she's, she, she greets you. She says, oh, good morning. I haven't seen you round here before. Who are you? We're new. Me and my, me and my cousin here. Um, we, we just came to the organization. Um, we, we're still in the integration center, but, but so far we like it. Are you guys, have you guys been here a while? He seems to have a hard time with casual conversation. He's just sort of like throwing words out, but there's definitely extra pauses in there that probably shouldn't be there. And he looks, he's like looking over to Caro kind of every couple of seconds as if he's expecting her to take over. Caro is quietly like she's she's keeping an ear on the conversation, but she's she's just quietly thousand yard stare eating her soup kind of thing. Um, Valerie Yoshida is kind of like making faces like the subtlest of expressions, but she's definitely making faces at how awkward Anders is. Rana Finn is just the warmest, loveliest person. Like she kind of gets that he's a little bit like uncomfortable but she's like the kind of person that will tr- go out of her way to make someone feel more comfortable in a social situation um so she's kind of you know she's listening and she's going like oh wow you're new i've been here years she seems like a nice lady so are you you've been here for years so you're out of the integration center i guess is that how that works oh oh and like valerie kind of rolls her eyes it's like no we're new, she just does that, she just exaggerates. Um, like, you know, Rana's like the older of the two, like Valerie kind of seems like a bit of a moody teenager compared to Rana, but she's mm-hmm. she's definitely not a teenager, she's definitely not that young. Rana's kind of like, oh no, no, I, I've just been here a long time, it feels like years, <laughs> Like she's, she's, you know, she's cracking jokes, she's very, very jolly. Well, you're, you're very, beautiful person is that what you guys say like you know valerie kind of like goes yeah she kind of you know does a yeah 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 thank you're a beautiful person too and rana kind of you know really fully commits and like thank you you're a beautiful person because she's she's you know really wanting to get this right (laughs) so my friend and i my cousin that is my cousin and i were wondering yes your cousin what's her name says rana her name's Caro. She she had like, I think she had like a hard time at integration. Caro kind of just like taps her, taps the table and goes. I <laughs> know that's exactly what he says. That's exactly what he says. He he goes. She goes like, I hate that nickname. You know I hate that nickname. And she kind of just looks at like Valerie and Rana, and she kind of goes, just call me Izzy. <laughs> and she goes back to her soup with no further uh, explanation. I've been calling uh, her Caro for years. Back when we were kids, I'd just be like, Caro me around. You get it? <laughs> Ron is loving this story. Valerie is just not receptive. She is, you know, she's she just wants a little bit of alone time with her cheesy pasta. And you have interrupted that. <laughs> so, you know, what's there to do around here? Valerie kind of just like... She just shakes her head. She's she's not. She doesn't really want to participate any more than Rana makes her. And Rana just, you know, 
she goes off full pelt and she's telling you about the library and the rec room and you know she, every now and then she'll be like but we haven't been allowed to go there yet to certain places or oh this place is just for the executives or i've heard so much about this place it's very much kind of, you feel like she has like a leaflet somewhere for this place that she has okay. read cover to cover and she knows it word for word and she you know she is like saying oh yes this has all these wonderful facilities and we haven't been able to go there just yet so i don't really get how the how the levels work so so i guess our people told us that we need to prove ourselves to the organization <sighs> valerie kind of lets out this big old sigh as though her soul is leaving her body <laughs> <laughs> And, and Rana just kind of is completely undeterred by this. She doesn't she doesn't acknowledge this at all, and she's kind of like, "Oh well, you need to you need to prove yourself to the organization. It's it's a very it's an honor and a privilege. It's it's not something that is just freely given out. You really have to go on." Sorry. At this point, Anders is starting to realize that Rana has nothing useful to say. So Anders, with negative social graces, kind of turns his attention completely away from Rana. Mid mid sentence, and he looks over the Valerie. It's like, you seem to know what's going on here. I need to understand. How do I get more? I don't know points or whatever, so I can get into doors. Because I, I guess I'm locked out of a bunch of places, and that's not going to work for me. So how do I fix that? Um, Valerie's kind of just. She's like, why do you care? And she's, you know, she obviously knows something, but she is like really into her cheesy pasta. Uh, I'd like to do a perception roll to see if I can figure out what's what's going on with her, why she seems so resistant to to talking. Okay, right. So I guess that would be a social. This should be pretty easy. Uh, it's a social roll, and I'm gonna say it's a five. A social with a DC of five. <laughs> I rolled a three. So, okay, so, so that's that's a miss. Um, yeah, she uh, she looks a bit tired. She looks a bit weary, but you don't know why. So, what Anders is trying to do at this point, so he keeps talking, sort of like sporadically. But what he's trying to understand at this point is what kinds of things the organization might ask them to do in the very near future while they're in the integration center. So he looks between Rana and Valerie and he starts again. It's like, listen guys, I really want to be a team player here and I just want to understand what I need to do to like make them get the fact that I am committed to this organization. So if any of you can help me out, that would be great. My cousin over here, I don't know, she's the exact same way. Kara does a non-committal kind of hand wave. You're not quite sure what gesture it is other than <laughs> I've heard you. Valerie is like kind of incensed. Like all she wanted was to just sit quietly for a bit and enjoy her pasta. And like Rana happened to sit next to her. So that didn't happen. And then you guys have showed up and she's just like, so she just slams the table and goes, okay, fine, fine, but can I enjoy my pasta afterwards? Yeah, we'll, we'll pretty much leave you alone once you tell us what we need to know. All right, it's different for every person. You happy? 
and then she kind of, you know, puts her hand back down and she's just, you know, shoveling pasta, trying to make the pain go away with pasta. So Anders looks a little bit confused. It's like, so we, they don't have like a, like any kind of like, oh, you have to farm a bunch of lettuce or I don't know, paint a bunch of walls or anything like that. They just tell you stuff to do. Is that what it is? It's not so much in the telling, she says. It's just that it's just you don't know you're being tested until you are. It just happens. And then you either fail or you succeed. And Rana kind of like very, very, very kind of sensitively and quietly. But she is basically doing a stage whisper and kind of tells Anders, Val failed. Oh, Anders, Anders nods. And like Valerie kind of, you know, looks at Rana, goes, oh, gee, gee, thanks, gee, thanks. You know, tell everyone, tell everyone in the damn camp cafeteria. Well, I guess that kind of sucks for you. So, I don't know, sorry. But what was your test? Um, Valerie's eyes go wide and she like, she just, you know, they go wide, but like she doesn't, she kind of holds that expression a little too long to cover it up completely. And she goes, oh, you know, it's just, they asked me to do one thing and I didn't do the thing, so I failed. So I want to figure out, what does she look like in this moment? Does she look like she's purposefully like obfuscating I mean like she's clearly dancing around whatever it is that she did but does she look like she's like obfuscating because she's not supposed to say something or is she obfuscating because she doesn't like want to say something what what does it feel like (laughs) I'm gonna make you roll for it (laughs) sounds good so yes again social again I will make it fairly easy but this time it's gonna be a six I rolled a one, so I have a social. I had a total of two. Oh, no. so that's a critical failure. Um, you think she's like proper lying about having sat a test at all, kind of thing? You're not sure there's even a test at this point. You think she's just, you know, blowing hot air? Honestly, do you even know anything? Because I'm sitting here, and you're like, "Oh, there's some kind of test," but you won't tell me what it is. Is this a test? He's actually looking a little paranoid at this point. (laughs) Valerie kind of like rolls her eyes, tuts really loudly and just picks up her tray and leaves. Oh no! (laughs) She picks up her tray and leaves and disappears into, well, not disappears into the crowd, but like, you know, looks around for any other table. (laughs) He looks over to Rana and he's like, she's kind of an unpleasant person. Oh no, no, Val. She's lovely, really. She just... Hasn't been sleeping well. I mean, you know how it is. Like, she really wanted to show them she was good and... Well, it was her first go-around anyway, you know. You know, no one gets it right on the first go-around. It's fine. It's fine. So where do you get those cool robes you guys are wearing? Oh, these, these. Um, I was going to ask where you got your cool threads from. Um... I believe they usually handed out pretty sharpishly after you enter the organization. Um, oh, now I remember. Yes. 
some people are given it after their inter- their first interview, and then some people will just find it on the bunk when they go to bed. It's it seems to be a little bit different for everyone. I think maybe because everything is. I mean, I'm not a gossip. You must understand, I'm not a gossip. But I heard there was a little bit of a situation at the start of uh, the day a few days ago at the gates. So I think maybe they've just been a bit disorganised. So do we do we sleep in the integration room? Is that where we're going? Uh, yes, uh, we've not proven ourselves, so we've not got the privileges to go many other places yet. It's fine, it's fine, you'll figure it out. There's people leaving every day as they go great big groups. It's just, it's not, we've not been in those groups for a while. That's all. It's, so, it's fine. He looks to her and he's trying to figure out is she lying either to herself or to <laughs> to Anders? It might be funnier if I make you roll, but I don't feel like that's a good gameplay decision. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, she does seem to be kind of lying to herself about it being fine. How long have you been here? A few weeks. It's a little bit on the higher side of average, but it's not unheard of, I'm told. It's not unheard of at all. But um, as far as I can tell, they've not even tested me yet. I mean, Val got to test like ooh, a week or two ago even, but I i don't think I've had any tests. I mean, that's how it is sometimes. Sometimes it just happens and you don't know. And sometimes they don't even tell you if you failed or succeeded. He doesn't know what to say to her. He he looks at her and he can we leave? He he thinks back to the guards at the gate and he thinks back to the fact that he they they were outside all night and they never saw people like leaving the organization at the time and it sort of comes to him that perhaps <laughs> Rana just kind of looks at him and goes, Leave? But it's beautiful here. Why would you want to leave? Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> and he looks to his arm and then he looks to Rana and then he looks to Caro. And he he kind of motions to her to stand up. Well, that's great. Um, I, I think me and my cousin here, Izzy, yeah, that's her name. Uh, I think we need to go for a second. Oh, okay. Uh, see you around, friends. And he doesn't even acknowledge her, and he kind of drags Caro away into, I guess, the hallway right outside of the cafeteria. And he looks around to see whether or not there's anyone kind of there or watching or anything like that. You see a couple of people. They're just milling about. They're not, you know. So Anders goes goes inside of the elevator and he's trying to go back down to that lobby area. It says that basically, oh, this this floor is inaccessible. This floor is closed due to a burst pipe. The lobby where they originally came in? Oh, crumbs. No, my apologies. I thought you were going somewhere else. Sorry. Um, no, the lobby. Yes, that's fine. My apologies. Oh, you're good. <laughs> so he goes back out to the, lo- the lobby and he kind of goes towards that service elevator that they took up um, and he hits the button and he steps inside the service elevator and he tries to go back down into that loading dock 
guess what? <laughs> I can't imagine. Tell me. Oh, yeah. No, it says, yeah. The... Can't go down, mate. <laughs> can't go down. Burst pipe can't go down. It is uh, basically for all new recruits uh, and a few, and it lists a couple of other ranks above you. You can't go down there. Huh. Anders steps out of the elevator and just sort of like looks at Caro and's like, I think we might be in trouble. I'm beginning to get this a similar sense, yes. And I'm going to call that the scene. And I'm going to play out something else that happens. Ooh, okay. Uh, as soon as you guys step back out of that elevator, you're back in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And you see the guy that you met in the loading dock um, who told oh. you where the employee's lockers were. Oh. And, he, and he kind of waves to you. Do you go over to him? He seems, like, very excited to see you. Oh, no. <laughs> this was back when we were in our guard uniforms, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he, he immediately recognizes you, and he kind oh, of waves to you. Like... Caro is still not at like a hundred percent, so she does try and kind of like subtly kind of scoop Anders by the arm and kind of try and steer him away subtly, but it's not subtle at all. So, so the guy heads over to you and he's like, oh, "No, <laughs> hi guys, how are you oh, doing? Hey, hey, uh, we're all right. Uh, we're feeling better. How are you? You're not done up in your security duds anymore." No! No, that is an astute observation. No, we're not. I guess that means you made it through integration? Yes. Yes, we did. Uh, yeah, we're all good here. That's weird, don't you think? Why would a couple of security guards be going through integration? Right. Caro kind of gets all conspiratorial then, and she kind of goes, I'll be honest, mate. I was dishonest before. My sister's in here somewhere. I'm trying to find her. And, you know, like, she'd sent me letters about this place and all these nice things. What's Kara's last name? Bellamy. Miss Bellamy, you... Something happened to you, didn't it? You're a much better liar than this. All right, what, what do you really want to know, then? Come with me for a second. Both of you. Anders. And Anders, like, looks over and is like, Ooh? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And so you're led towards a kind of side room, and he taps a couple of numbers on a keypad, and then the keypad makes sort of this squealing sound, but then it, it, a green light appears, and it, he opens it, and he leads you inside. And what you see is what would be a large walk-in closet, but clearly there's a lot of, like, strange electronic devices. Kara uh. would recognize these as a variety of electronic countermeasures, like signal jammers, like strain, sort of things like that. Oh, um, is that why the cameras were acting funny before? 
you don't know what why why this is true but you do you do recognize that that's where you are and so you're both kind of in this room and he's kind of standing by the door it's like mr gorin miss bellany how are you holding up well we're great after we've had some food yeah uh, i got a feeling that your day's gonna get worse before it gets better Gee, you reckon? But before all that, I've got a little bit of good news for you. And he 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 reaches under his chin and he pulls at his skin. And it's like kind of gross. Um, oh. But you see sort of this like weird sort of like sparking electronic thing and a bunch of like, it, it looks like someone's literally stripping their skin off of their face. Oh. And he does this for like 15 seconds. And underneath the skin mask, you immediately recognize yes! Rocco No Kids Bagney. Yes! Oh! Rocco, you, you don't know the day I've had. You had me going. You really had me going, man. Oh. Yeah, so risk management figured uh, you guys were going to be in. Oh, wait. Carrie suddenly remembers herself and she kind of like, you know, she's waving her hands and she's like pointing furiously at her arm and she's like trying to signal, don't like. Don't worry about that. We know all about the tags. Oh. What do you think all this gear's for, (laughs) Carrie? I mean, come on. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Of course, you've thought of everything. The kids are always telling me, hey, dad, you know, you gotta be prepared because we want you to come home, right? Yes, yes, of course. How are the kids? How's, how's, is one of them doing scouts now? Yeah, no, one of them's in scouts. Oh, he's never told me this before. Eagle scout one day. One day. You can only One day. Hope. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm real proud of him. Mm, yes, I bet you are. So anyways, I, what brings you here? Well, uh, wanted to fill you in on a couple things before I let you go. First is congratulations on uh, making your way into this facility. It's been kind of difficult. And uh, risk management has a couple of things that they wanted me to give you. He takes out sort of this encrypted kind of USBs type drive and he hands it to Caro and it has your money from the performance review. Yes! (laughs) And he has two fresh cell phones that he takes out. Oh, Um, beautiful! And he, he hands it to both of you. And on Anders' cell phone, he has the the knife skill course. And he also hands Anders the money from um, the last performance review. You're going you're gonna to need these. Um, you should be able to communicate with no problem. Okay. No problems. Uh, I would be pretty careful still. Eyes and ears everywhere, you know? Of course. Yeah, well, tell me about it. So... Oh couple more pieces of good news. I know you stowed your gear down below. Yeah. You should be able to get to it as long as you're holding your phone. But I probably wouldn't do that unless you really have to. Because they're going to notice if you wander into that dock without anyone's permission. That's that's fair. No, that that is a good point. Thank you. Got a little bad news, though. Um, All right. As long as you've got those chips in your arm, you can't get out of here. I had a feeling you'd say that. And 
We don't know what those ships do exactly, but I wouldn't want to keep those in my body for too long, if you know what I mean. Yeah, me neither. Here's what I need you guys to do. I need you guys to keep asking your questions, figure out how to learn a little bit more about the organization, kind of work your way up the ladder. And at the same time, make sure they don't figure out who you are. Ooh, uh, uh, that might be, hmm, yes, maybe, hmm. <laughs> I think your first mission is really stow your stuff in that integration center. We've got a little intelligence that says that something's not quite right in Kansas, if you know what I mean. I, I have a sense of what you mean, yes. And your little, your little show out there earlier today might just work to our advantage. I have, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> oh, come on, Kara. Oh, stop. Now for the real bad news. And well, you butted me up with the good news. Go ahead. You've got a voicemail. Oh, that's bad. Right. And you see a voicemail from Harlan Roland. Oh, no. Okay. What's he saying? You know, I sent you guys in there to solve a little problem for me. And it looks like all you've managed to do so far is cause me more problems. There's a woman right now going to Washington. And do you know what that woman wants? She says that in a few weeks, they're going to be able to prove that androids are human. (sighs) That they're right in the middle of research. That they're going to finish that research. And once they do, We'll know for sure that androids are human. Oh, dear. That's, Isn't that, that sort of thing you're supposed to stop? Isn't that why I'm paying you? What are you people doing in there? Whatever, whatever. You get this done, because if you don't get this done right now, not only am I leaving you a bad Yelp review, but I'm probably going to have to kill both of you. I don't know. I don't want to say that out loud. I didn't even say that out loud. Definitely didn't record that. But you two... You're in trouble if you don't figure this out pretty soon. Harlan, out. And oh, he then, doesn't sound like a happy buddy, does he? No, he seems pretty upset at you. I mean, people threaten to kill our agents all the time. That's probably not going to happen. But we can't really make Harlan Roland disappear. So, honestly, if you guys don't figure this one out, the organization's going to have to throw you under the bus on this one. I, I, I feel really bad about it. It wasn't wouldn't I, have been my vote, but I, you know. You I know did spot that clause in our contracts. The uh, good old throw under the bus if it all goes wrong. It's fine. I knew what I was getting myself into. Well then, if you guys need to find me, I should be here every other day or so. Just hit nine on your phone and hold it for about three seconds. Then come down here and you'll be able to, you know, make things happen. You're a good sort. You're a good sort, Rocco. You're all right. Oh, oh, before you go, I may have a little under-the-table equipment that I can smuggle in on that, those trucking lines for you. Um, some stuff that might be able to help you out. I, I don't I don't have anything with me right now because I wasn't sure how long it would take you guys to get here. But next time you see me, I might have a couple of toys for you. Can't give them to you for free because you know how it is. But maybe 
if you got if you got any bits to spare, might have something that might help you out. And with that, he sort of like shoes you out of the room. He tells you not to tell anyone he's there. Clearly, he before as you're leaving, you can kind of see him reapplying his his face <laughs> clay, um, and it, it looks kind of painful and also real weird. And I am going to fast forward a little so I can set up the next thing that we're going to be up to. So Anders and Kara make their way into the integration center. And the integration center is kind of self-contained. It looks a little like, have you seen The Handmaid's Tale? I've seen bits of it. I haven't actually sat down to watch it yet. I keep meaning to. Like, I caught my dad watching it recently, but oh, I haven't I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. <laughs> so, basically, there's, like, a kind of bunk room that you keep the handmaids in, that it's sort of this big kind of warehouse space with a bunch of, like, bunk beds. And that's what most of this looks like. So, But it looks like a futuristic version. So it's all steel and kind of clean. And there's just a huge number of beds everywhere, just a sea of beds, and almost all of them are taken. There's a person standing at the door, essentially waiting for you, and he scans your tag, and he points you both to to two beds that are relatively close to one another. And when you get there, you see that there's a footlocker, just a small footlocker, and you can open it using your arm tag. As soon as you go to the integration center, the rest of the day is sort of spent on orientation. They tell you that tomorrow everyone is expected to go on the tour. Okay. Um, and where you're going to be able to see different parts of the organization and learn a little bit more about the history of the messengers from one mind. And that they're w- you're going to be waking up bright and early at four o'clock in the morning. Oh, it's that kind of place. <laughs> to start this tour. And so he recommends that you get some sleep as much as possible. And right now it's only about, by now it's probably like 6 p.m. because after this orientation, you also realize that you haven't really slept all that well in the last couple of days because you were sleeping in the car and you were taking shifts watching. So the question is, do you sleep? Do you rest? They are sleeping somewhere that is unfamiliar. Could Kara and Anders work out some kind of watch schedule just to see like, if there's a kind of cycle to the sleeping quarters? Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. Okay, so let me paint, let me paint this picture a little bit more um, precisely. Now that Anders knows that you guys are kind of trapped in here, he's very interested in keeping a watch, at least for the first couple of nights. I think that's a good idea. He's also doubly committed to kind of getting the show on the road now that he knows that <laughs> the, the lobbyist or whatever is in DC trying to make, starting to make waves. And so he agrees to switch off every two hours. Um, what you notice about the room is both that it's a co-ed room and everyone in this area of the integration center is wearing street clothes. So they're wearing the kind of clothes you guys are. They don't have these robes quite yet. So basically, your bunks are laid out in kind of this grid pattern. So you and Anders are sitting, sleeping sort of diagonal to one another. Oh. And 
On your left is a young woman with sort of this undercut kind of look going on, kind of punky younger woman. Behind you and to the right of Anders is this older looking man. Let's say it's 10 o'clock at night. Everyone here seems to have already settled into bed. There aren't even like stragglers at all. Like you would you would expect that there would be people who like to sleep at different yeah. times, but every single person has already sort of like packed up and kind of settled into bed at this point. So the night has started and an hour goes by and Anders takes the first sort of sleep schedule. Cool. Give me a perception roll of uh, a grace roll that is of seven. Yes. Okay. Oh, actually, I got seven on the D10, so that's nine total. You hear a mechanical sound, like the sound of metal on metal. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> what do you do? Um, pretend to be asleep and keep listening. Cool. A full hour goes by, and... Nothing else happens. And Anders wakes up and he he looks to you and he's like, all right, get some sleep. Um, I mentioned that there was some me- metallic metal or metal sounds. I'm not quite sure what they were. I say kind of roughly the time. And uh, uh, yeah, I just kind of give him a heads up in case it happens to him as well. And Anders seems to nod. He doesn't seem all that concerned. This is in his wheelhouse. Yeah. And... So you go to sleep, and you're undisturbed for two hours. Oh, nice. And Anders wakes up, or Anders wakes you up, and he's like, all right, time to switch. You all right? Yeah, just been, just a little tired. All right, then. You get some sleep, then. Thanks. I'll I'll take it from here. And he didn't see anything while he was awake. Okay. Uh, Give me a perception roll of... Eh, no, no, I mean, this is even easier. Give me a perception roll of five. I got a nine on the D10, so that's 11 total. You're reminded of what it sounds like when someone's trying to breach a door. The person who's doing this is clearly extremely skilled at it. They're trying very hard not to make too much noise. And you can tell that it's coming from, maybe from above you. Oh. And... Your general knowledge of how like buildings are set up tells you that it might be coming from the HVAC system, from the air conditioning system. So someone is maybe playing around in the ducts. But what worries you, uh, because you've got such a good role, is how quiet they are. Uh... What do you do? Okay. Uh... Wake up, pandas. <laughs> I wake up Anders and I try and get him I try and gesture for him to just listen so Anders wakes up and he does exactly that and he hears the same thing you do and he looks to you and he's like pretend you're asleep I I have a horrible feeling that might not cut it let's monitor the situation be prepared to move quickly if things really get going no one else around you is awake. 45 minutes goes by, and you don't hear another sound. Anders looks a little bit groggy, and he looks to you and like, Are you sure you heard something? I definitely did. Like, 
It's been 45 minutes. Why don't you go back to sleep? I'll keep an ear out and I'll wake you if I hear it again. Sounds good. Another 30 minutes goes by. Give me another perception five, another grace five. Uh, I got a six on the D10, so that's eight total. Okay. Yeah, you hear metal peeling away now. You, in fact, when you look up, you see sort of this red scar across the ceiling. You know, whatever's happening now is going to go down very soon. And that scar is maybe three meters to your left. Okay. Uh, I'm going to wake up Anders. I'm going to point at the scar and I'm like, uh, do we wake everyone else up? Do we get, do we evacuate? I don't like this. Anders looks at you, looks at the scar, and then he looks dead serious when he says, pretend that you're asleep now. I'm trusting you, okay? I'm going to trust you. And she keeps saying that and then pretends to be asleep. Anders takes one final look around the room and he does exactly the same thing. He, he goes and he puts his head down on his pillow and he pretends that he's asleep. But you can see that he has one of his throwing knives in his hand. So he's sort of like resting on it. Are your eyes open at this point? Are you looking towards or away from the where She's you saw like, the star? They're mostly closed, but you know that thing you do when you're a kid and you're trying to convince your parents you're asleep, but actually you're like peering at them through the barest slit in your eye. Yeah. She's doing that. Like it doesn't look unless you really look. But like, you know, she's she's doing a, she's trying to make it look like her eyes are closed. Cool. So what you see in the next 30 minutes is kind of amazing even to you as a trained risk management agent. In 10 minutes, there's a hole in the ceiling that looks like it could barely fit a human being. But as like the ceiling is kind of falling away, a black gloved hand reaches down and kind of grabs the tile and kind of pulls it back so that it doesn't actually land on the floor. In the next two minutes after that, you see a line, a grapple line, fall from the ceiling, but not all the way to the ground, just about halfway. And you see someone, well, give me a... Actually, yeah, let's make this hard. This will be more interesting. Give oh, me a percent. No. Give me a grace roll of 11. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I've got four total. So two on the dice, two is my flat grace. So... Yeah, okay. You see a flat, basically a black shadow kind of slink down from the ceiling and drop silently <gasps> onto the ground below you. Um, <gasps> from where you're sitting, you can make out that they are covered in some kind of, like, body armor that you know as a fact is military-grade, like the kind of stuff that risk management would be sending out. So whoever this is, is a pro. Oh, gosh, okay. So they're slinking across the room, and they're looking at people um, in their cots, and they're looking back and forth as if they're searching for someone in particular. And the person is making their way closer to you and Anders. What do you do? She tries to regulate her breathing as much as possible. Give me a strength roll of five with an advantage of one. Okay, so my strength 
That's a flat one plus six, and then an advantage of six, so that is eight total. Uh, yeah, no, you manage to regulate your breathing. Oh, you manage to stay calm. Um, in fact, you do a pretty good job of it, so you sound like you're asleep. Mm. I'm going to roll the same thing, actually. Evan, okay. Yeah, Anders is equally skilled at doing this, and you're both sort of sitting there silently. Oh, thank goodness. Now the woman is right in, in that square that I told you about, where you and Anders are at the diagonals of the square, and the yeah. undercut girl and the older man are in there. Yeah. The person is standing right there, and you can tell they're wearing goggles, and they look like smart eyes that allow them to see in infrared and in night vision and a variety of other different spectrums and they're wearing full gloves and they have something in their hand but you can't make out what it is and they are hovering over the woman with the undercut who is to your left what do you do caro does a very good impression of doing nothing um she's still pretends to be asleep and observing subtly And then you see emotion. You've seen you've seen Anders throw knives before, and he's very fast. This person seems almost inhuman. Like there is a motion that is just like a blur in the night. And then what surprises you the most is how little blood comes out of this person. No, Um, not undercut girl. And she just sort of like she doesn't even make a sound. There's just sort of like blood and then there's nothing. And you know in your heart that she is she has died. Oh my god. That's brutal. And the person looks around the room and their eyes fall on you. And they move towards you. And they look down at you. Give me a strength roll of six. Oh, okay. Uh, Strength is one plus eight. That's nine. You are silent as a mouse. Ah. And they, the person with their gloved hands, runs his or her or their fingers through your hair. Ah. Ah. And walks over to Anders. And, well, Anders doesn't have hair, but sort of like, just sort of like brushes their hand along his head. And you hear a sound that's through a voice modulator. And it says, Not tonight, you two. Not tonight. And then, like a cat, it disappears back up the rope. It replaces the piece of the roof and it sold solders the like you see sort of like this sound of like metal on metal as it kind of spot welds the, the roof tile back into place and then there's nothing what do you do just kind of you know one eye open looking around is it safe to break the charade because like someone someone just died right in front of me is it safe for me to kind of yeah 
I mean, 15 minutes pass and, and there's nothing. There's just silence. All right. She uh, sits bolt upright and like is like shaking Anders like... <sighs> and Anders sort of sits up and he looks as serious as you've ever seen Anders. And he walks over to the dead woman and he kind of looks down. Don't touch her. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't touch her at all. And he kind of walks over to the front of the integration center, and he sort of hits a button on the desk, which is like a little call button, you know, in case you need sheets or something like that. You hit this button, oh, and he he kind of waits there. Helen Doyle comes into oh, the room no. from the, from Hello, the front desk, and you can see Anders kind of whispering to her. And Helen nodding and and kind of has a little bit of disbelief in her eyes. Are you still sort of sitting upright? Yeah, like, I'm watching this play out. (laughs) And Helen and Anders move back towards you. And Helen looks to you and she's like, Hey, did something happen? I think so. And she looks over at the body that's now sort of like the arm is kind of hanging loosely over the side of the bed and then it seems like for the first time the situation registers on her face and then she screams oh no and every single person in the room wakes up <laughs> 